podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On today's show, we have singer-songwriter Carmen Nickerson. Welcome so much to the show, Carmen. Hi, Allison. Good to be here. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I want to find out all about you, all the things that I never knew. Okay, <laughs> okay not, maybe, maybe not, not everything. All of them. <laughs> but uh, I want to find out more about you, your your backstory, and what you, uh, how you learn what you know in the business, and uh, a little bit about your history as a musician. So, uh, can we start with? Um, I mean, first of all, you're uh, we're in Wisconsin now. Uh, and, and we've done a lot of work through Wisconsin Music Ventures, but you're not originally from here. So can you tell me about where you're from? I am from Iowa, rural Iowa, north central Iowa. So it's um, the black earth. I grew up on a farm. So <laughs> the black earth, really flat part of Iowa. Although most people think all of Iowa is flat. It's actually, there are hills there too. But yeah, <laughs> I grew up um, yep, on a farm in Iowa. Nice. Chickens, everything. And what, Home, what yeah. part of Iowa? North Central. So um, Minneapolis was our closest big city, actually. Okay. Um, and our whole county, I didn't even know the statistic till recently, but our whole county is less than 12,000 people. Oh, wow. Apparently, the whole county. Wow. And <laughs> what county was that? Mitchell. It's right out of the Minnesota border. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so what is the name of the town that you grew up in? Um, I'm right between three towns. Um, our county seat is Osage. I went to a Catholic school for eight years in Stacyville, which is less than 500 people. Um, I think every family in town was probably Catholic. I, I always joke that our, um, our diversity in my part of the country was um, that there was, I think, one Protestant family. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. In the rest the were Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> and then St. Ansgar was the high school. So that's where we went with all those evil public school kids. Got it. Because <laughs> um, the uh, Catholic high school had closed down, so... Um, it was interesting. We had kindergarten at the public school, public school in St. Ansgar. So I met all these kids. We were all together. And then we separated and we, I went off for eight years of Catholic school. Then in high school, we got back together with all these kids that I might have known when I was five and then met again at 15. Yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. And then, so your parents were farmers? Yeah, my mom actually was also um, a bookkeeper at the local grain elevator. Uh, oh, so fun. She graduated when she was, I think, 16 from high school. She was the oldest girl, so she kind of was almost like the head of the household. I mean, her parents, obviously, they were, her dad had a job and that, but she um, really had to take care of the family because her, I'm telling you so much, my mom, my grandma had um, gone to a mental institution when she was, my mom was like 12. Sure. So my mom became just this kind of person who felt like she had to take care of everything. Sure. So at 16, she graduated. At 17, she already had this, was called business machines degree. So wow. she was working at 17 at Hormel in Austin, yeah, Minnesota yeah. as a bookkeeper. Super smart. I always thought like she, if she was born today, she would probably be um, like Janet Yellen. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Just a really strong, smart woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But anyway, my dad um, was a farmer. My grandparents farmed down the road from us. And What kind of farm? 
Uh, the typical corn, soybeans. Um, but we had chickens. We had 10, 15,000 chickens. So for eggs, and I mean, we didn't eat them all. <laughs> but um, pigs, sheep, cows, horses, didn't eat them either. Um, yeah, everything. Kittens, puppies. Fun. And how many, and you grew up with a lot of brothers and sisters, right? Four brothers, one sister. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. And where did you fall on that line? Youngest. Youngest. Aw. What mm-hmm. was that like? I guess I was spoiled. That's what they all say. But <laughs> I think spoiled meant that when we went out to the bean fields to pull weeds, meaning the soybean fields, which if a rural thing, what we call that is walking beans. It's a funny term, but if you're from rural America, you know what that means, bean walking. So we'd all go out as a family to pull the weeds out of the bean fields. And at six years old, I only had to do one row. Instead oh, sure. of like four or five <laughs> rows. And so I remember my brother saying, why does she only have to do one row? <laughs> <laughs> She's the littlest, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. And then how did you go from rural Iowa to Milwaukee, Wisconsin? So what kind of slowly, very yeah. zigzaggy. And I went to college in Ames, Iowa okay. State University. And I always I had wanderlust for sure. So I studied in Scotland my junior year abroad, and then after college, I spent six months in Taiwan on a 4-H exchange. If wow. some people might not know what 4-H is, it's a rural, right? You know what it is, I'm sure. It's like a youth organization. It yes. started in rural. Mike, I think it actually started in Iowa, but where people bring kids bring their projects to the fairs, and mm-hmm. so um, I'd found out that you could actually go overseas on 4-H, just dive, wow. and it was pretty amazing. So I spent time there. I didn't really want to settle down. And worked as a sales rep for Colgate Palmolive, got laid off, and then decided I knew one person in Los Angeles. So I thought, I'm going to go out to L.A. and see if I can get into the music industry. So it was two and a half years there. I I did meet some people and had a few little projects, but Mm. it was just not really my kind of place too big. Sure. Big switch. Yeah. Yeah. And so my brother, one of my brothers and my sister, who has moved since, lived in Milwaukee and I decided I just wanted to move and I needed a place to stay for free. (laughs) (laughs) Older brothers and sisters are good for that. Yeah. So I moved in and alternated between my sister and brother here in Milwaukee. And it was, so it was just so random. Everything's been random. Okay. I I lived in here in Milwaukee because they were here and it was free. And I thought I'll just stay here for a little bit, but it's been over 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) The rest is history. Yeah. 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 And how did you get into music along the way? That's also like zigzaggy slow, but it's been in our family. My dad always was a musician, not professionally, but um, growing up, my grandma, my dad's mom, um, had gone to school to teach piano back in the 20s, and she was a farm kid, so I can imagine that was a pretty big deal for her to go off to St. Cloud, Minnesota to pursue an education, but then she moved back, married my grandpa, and was on the farm. So growing up, we all had to take piano from my grandma, so we'd either bike over or um, they were two miles away and, and took lessons from her. And um, my dad sang barbershop. And we always um, sang in choir in high school and choir in college. And then I think I joined a Christian rock band in, in college. That was like the first band, I think. Sure, sure. And when you yeah. were in college, were you studying music? No, I wasn't. I was getting a degree in agriculture. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Yeah. 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 But I was in the choir. Yeah. The, so classical music was a big part of my background was sure. lots of classical 
and um, piano, clarinet, played clarinet in the band. We uh-huh. all had to play an instrument, as I know you were yeah, a yeah. player, so um, I wish I'd kept my clarinet up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you, and, you uh, kept a lot of those music skills in the back pocket, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I still have a good embouchure. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Dad sang barbershop. He always sang barbershop. And so at once a month, the quartet would be at our house um, practicing oh, their cool. barbershop. So that was really fun growing up hearing all that harmony and and um, my sister and I would sit at the piano all the time and play and sing and go through the John Denver songbook. Um, she's a choir director, so the two of us got the bug. Yeah. The boys decided they wanted to make money. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that in music? No. What? <laughs> no. That's kind of, well, that's here. That, that's a good segue because I think my parents didn't really think music was a viable career, so they really discouraged that as a career. It was always mm-hmm. like, this is a good hobby, but mm-hmm. they were very, I think, growing up in the Depression, especially my mom was very concerned about money. You got to sure. make money. You got to be stable and secure. And so they uh, they knew that you were interested in music, but they discouraged you from doing it as a living? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so what did you say to that? Um, secretly, I kind of... Well, I, I did, I did put it on hold. I think I was trying to not be, well, I was trying to make them happy, I guess, probably. Sure. So a lot of people probably do that being true, not, not being true to myself, but, and also growing up in the eighties, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <I am> older, <laughs> you didn't have the resources. You would never be able to tell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the resources weren't there for the connections. You just didn't know how to do it. I mean, I think now there's so much more opportunity and there's more connections and there's more of a more information for you right but back then and especially in rural Iowa I, I had no idea how to, right so how yeah. did you find out uh, and everything just very nothing very clear clearly but going to LA um, that was my attempt to throw myself into the industry and I didn't really know how to do it and um, it would have been nice to have some real connections sure they're the person that I did no was kind of a mm, I don't know he wasn't a real above board sure kind of guy sure yeah <laughs> so I was going to say like a Rasputin I don't know what the yeah. right word <laughs> <laughs> he knew some about the industry but maybe wasn't the the best role model for yeah, yeah it'd be nice to have some real good role models yeah, but um choice. yeah then I moved back here and, and um got involved in a band called Same As Me which was all original a female original rock band oh and there was always one man, the bass player, for some reason, was always a man. But <laughs> otherwise, it was, um, we would all get together and jam in this building, which is now a very um, uh, she-she kind of uh, apartments that they've redone the tannery, I think. Oh, what part the of the city? Okay. Over on the south side. And it, what, at the time, it was just this grungy warehouse so sure. that they'd rent to musicians. We had this crazy, huge jam party there once, and I just thought afterwards... If there had been a fire, we would have been, um, it would have been bad. Yeah, it was like yeah. one little window. But so we would get together and uh, write music. It was the same as me. So we'd play around town at the usual typical places in the 90s here. Sure. Was it the Globe? And oh, I don't know if you've ever heard of I have, yeah. Uh, Sydney High Building. Okay. And so that was. And I think I met them through a newspaper ad. Hello, people. <laughs> <laughs> so that is how you did your networking. That, and that how was I, newspapers yeah. and um, music publications. Yeah. Wow. A whole different world. And, of yeah. course, uh, there's always the personal meeting people. 
in LA, I did meet a um, this guy Andre Williams, who was a uh, he was with Virgin Publishing, him and his brother, mm-hmm. and um, that's actually he's uh, kind of segueing everything, which I suppose these are the mm-hmm. answers you're you're wondering about. Um, Andre was the first person who actually got me to write. Um, he was a hip hop producer, still is, and he um, gave me some tracks, more hip hoppy mm-hmm. drum tracks. He's more of a beat guy. Mm-hmm. So he just threw them at me and said, Hey, here, write something to this. And I just never, I never thought of myself as a writer, actually. Honestly, I just thought of myself as, I love, I just love singing. I just, yeah. just want to sing. Yeah. But he threw me into songwriting, which was really great. I didn't really. Uh, I think I'm just finally starting to feel like I'm a songwriter after so many, many years. Yeah, you're definitely a songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would agree with that for sure. Nice. I'm, from what I've seen, I've seen um, uh, some amazing pieces that you've written. And I mean, I've heard so much about your life and your music, uh, you know, your life on the farm. And um, I feel like I've gotten to know you through your songs. So it's been really fun. Yeah. But uh, it's really interesting to hear that it kind of got started with like a hip hop producer out yeah. in LA. I yeah. would have never guessed that. I know, right? It's so... Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're still in touch. Um, he is works with Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, cool. Now, and... Um, we just actually wrote a song together recently. He sent me wow. the tracks of a song and it's a bossa nova. I don't know what we're going to do with it, but yeah. it was really fun. Now, how and, do you do that? Um, how do you write a song together? Yeah. He, um, so he just sent me the music tracks. So okay. it just had the, it was just the music, no words, anything. And so I just sat down and listened to it. And that one actually kind of came together pretty fast That, And, um, I like using, nature a lot for yeah. inspiration which probably a lot of people do I'm, obviously there's lots of nature in songs but like that one was good timing because it was a nice warm summer night and the the bossa nova beat kind of lent itself to that yeah atmosphere so that's great and yeah and then I actually recorded it here with John Wheeler John Wheeler is a bass player I work with and he's also a really great engineer so I just went over to his house and we recorded uh, the track, he flew the track in to his Pro Tools, and then okay. I recorded the vocals, and then we sent it back to Andre. Good. What did Andre say? He loved it. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's just so easy. What, how would you have been able to do that, you know, in the 80s, 90s? Would you have been able I to know. do that? Well, it would be slow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when did we actually really start using email? Right. I, it's yeah. funny. I can't. Even, I don't know. Two thousand, maybe uh, late nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But even if you started using email at that time, were you really using the recording possibilities the, at that? I don't know. think so. Right, that was still just really big recording right. studios that did that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's yeah, yeah it's really fascinating how and it, yeah, and you've been around to see so many changes and and you're using all of these changes in your music. And I mean. And you've been following that wave and writing that wave this whole time. So, yeah. yeah. What is it like now? Bloomer. (laughs) Not at all. No, you're you're doing it really, really well. And um, you're adapting great. And you have a great website. You you do great with social media. And I know that you say that you're always working on it, but you still do a really great job with it. Thank you. um, So what are some of the things that you've learned along the way, some of the lessons you've learned from being in the industry? Oh boy. Like that person I met who was sort of a shyster. Just be careful. I mean, just don't throw yourself. Yeah. Don't don't throw your don't, don't give in to anybody. 
and use your instinct and protect yourself and no success is worth um, going against what feels good to you. I think you have to yeah. protect yourself and and that's uh, very important. Uh, I think um, being open, <laughs> it's funny, the opposite, but being being open also to meeting people and different kinds of music and um, I'm not sure if this is the same thing, but I think I wish I had maybe gone to school for music. I don't know. I've heard some people say it's not necessarily helpful. I've heard some people say you can get too much in a clinical or yeah, like it can, it can yeah. help or hurt. Um, but I always thought it would have been nice to have a little more theory. I think that would sure. be helpful to understand the theory. So that would be a good thing, I think, for people to really understand their instrument that they have. If you are a singer, play an instrument. It's If you want to be a songwriter, it's just helpful, all the tools you can get, like being able to know chord progressions. And and sometimes I've been frustrated with songwriting because I feel like I just don't, I my guitar skills and piano skills are more basic. Right. And so it'd be nice to know how a little more about that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, speaking as one who did go to school for, for music, I um, I think that, and, and I loved it, but um, I think you can also sometimes overrate that, and um, you can also just take theory classes outside of that, yeah. if that's really what you want to do, and, you know, I would encourage people to look into that if that's something that you're, you feel like you're missing, um, or study, like, with a, a tutor or something. Yeah, um, right, it's because, never too late to yeah. learn oh, no, things. Oh, no, never, yeah, yeah. and, uh, or, or piano you know, a teacher or something, because um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of it can be kind of clinical and, um, and very intensive and, um, and, and very, very classical approach. Um, and so sometimes it can, if it's not exactly the mindset that you have, it can kind of almost be a deterrent to the way that you're thinking. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just, yeah. you know, but every school, every everything that you do, just make sure it's, it's in line with what you're thinking. And yeah, you know. right. I think especially with the voice, if you want to be a, right. a pop singer, and then you have only had classical training, right? Yes. And we all know the classical voice, which just does, doesn't sound right when you're trying to sing a yeah. pop song. Yep, exactly. So just you know, do the do the digging, do the research, and make sure who you're studying with is the right fit for you. But but yeah, all of that can be really really helpful and. Um, and I mean, so much of the business is people skills, is like, you know, experience from doing. And I think it was probably good for you to have that early uh, issue, with, you know, that trust issue probably with that shyster, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> I love that word. I, I have family that used shyster, to use that word. Yeah, it's probably an old fashioned yeah, word. It is. Yeah, it is. Shyster. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we need to learn those lessons early. Um, otherwise, um, if we don't, will lose more of our our music or more have have a bigger price to pay later on. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, the earlier you can learn those lessons, the, the better off you might be. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. Don't let it um, ruin your life. That's right. for sure. Yeah. And I think something that's probably important is to live your life, too. I think at one point I felt like I have to be successful. And there was so much of it was, I think, at the time dependent on feeling like, okay, I felt like I have to have some kind of success to be maybe okay with myself. And that's not really a good place to be. 
Like, How would you define success for yourself? Well, at the time in my 20s, it would be probably being a big star. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and which probably a lot, a lot of people going to music hoping to be very well-known and recognized. And, yeah. Um, but it's changed. And now it'd still be great to have that, and it would be wonderful, but it's, I don't feel like it defines me anymore as a human being. I don't need that to feel okay, mm-hmm. And which is a better place to be, I think yeah. everyone would agree it's better to be in that place. Not that I don't keep wanting to, now it's more about I want to make really good music and make the best music I can and right. write the best songs I can. Right. And you, I mean, you are making a living from music, so. Yeah, that would be a success. Making a living at music is definitely a success. Yeah. And I think I wanted to impress my parents a lot yeah. and because they weren't real supportive of it. Um, so probably part of the drive was also to let that make them feel like it was an okay career. Right, <laughs> right. Definitely. I think they finally accepted it when I'd been doing it for quite a while, for over 20 years, and I was able to pay my own bills and right. wasn't asking them for money. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Getting to that point, and you've and you've made a really great career for yourself, which is one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you on the podcast because you are. I mean, you perform as a soloist, but you also perform um, with people that are better known, such as like not nothing. Yeah. Well, well, no, absolutely. <laughs> like yeah. Willie Porter is is a big one that you perform. Oh my gosh, with. that's been so wonderful to work with him. He's been probably the was a turning point for me as far as creatively to get to work with him because um, if, um, if you know who he is and uh, if you don't know who he is, you should definitely check out, Willie, out Porty. Yeah. Willie Porter. Okay. Willie Porter. It's Willie with a Y. Um, just such an amazing creative mind, uh, virtuoso guitar player. I mean, he's toured with Jeff Beck and Tori Amos and Sting and yeah. all these people, yeah. Paul Simon. And so working with him has really opened up my creativity. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been working with him? (sighs) Hard to believe, but 10 years. Yeah, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, what is it? uh, So do you tour with him as well? We did. um, Well, I guess now no one's touring right now. But um, he was all sweet toured for a good solid seven years, I'd say. I mean, sometimes he would do solo shows as well, not always with me but um because we were playing together a lot we started writing together and we had so many songs that we decided let's do an album together so we did an album as a duo um porter nickerson and everything was co-writes yeah on that so that was really fun because that was one of the things i really wanted to do was to be a touring artist and uh, it's weird so i feel like you're we really do what we think and this is kind of the age of what the power of attraction yeah. now and sometimes and I'm sure we all have those experiences where something you've been thinking about and feeling sometimes it just happens mm. and it doesn't take a lot of effort mm. like getting to work with Willie was something that I didn't really try to do it just kind of fell in place and, and how, how did that happen um his uh, bass player Steve Kleiber who has passed, who was a good friend of mine, and I worked with Steve in another band called The Bystanders. Um, Steve would always tell Willie he thought that we should work together. Yeah. So for years, 
he was putting that bug in Willie's ear. And then I met Willie at a Chick Singer Night um, show. And then actually, yeah, here we go. In the age of of connection, uh, it was Facebook then. Okay. Through reaching out and becoming friends on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, I hear you might be looking for a vocalist. So I just reached out and I'd love to have a chance to audition if you're looking for someone. And so he said, yeah, I've got some songs. And because he had an album that he had an all-female band out of L.A. work on with him. They actually sang on it and played on it, uh, a band called Raining Jane. Yeah. So Willie wanted someone locally to be able to cover all the female parts. But I, I didn't do all the female parts. It'd be like Tibetan throat singing or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's why he had that album, um, How to Rob a Bank. Okay. Was the album right, right. if you remember that? Yeah, really great album. Uh, so that's was just good timing and worked out really well. And then we worked well together. And yeah, the rest is history, right? I say, yeah, that's great to hear. I love hearing that story. Um, these are all things I didn't know about before, and um, it's so fun to learn. But you yourself have a really great following uh, for your own music, and. That's been really fun to see. How how long have you been developing that following for yourself? Over 10 years. Um, I have a, had a steady gig with Costia, which I know you're going to have yeah, on, yeah. Um, piano player. We have, and unfortunately because of COVID, it's gone away, but we played steadily at the Packing House restaurant sure, um, over by the airport. And because we were there every Wednesday, I just got to know a lot of people. I think that really helped to build my list to start my newsletter. Sure. Because just I like getting to know people at the shows, really talking to people. And from that, I'll usually would ask, would you like to be on my newsletter? And yeah, so that's, I think that's so smart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, when this comes out, when this podcast comes out, the uh, episode where I've talked about uh, musicians and their e-newsletter um lists and, and how people have developed that will have come come out as well. And Carmen was discussing that um, through there. I, w I will have read her questions. But, um, you know, beyond that, um, you're just a really personable person. Thanks. And it's so smart to just, um, I mean, besides just being, being that likable person, to just also just make sure that as you're having those discussions to engage and just say, hey, you know, while we're at it, like, do you mind just being a part of my community on my email list. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. I would usually like to know, I could get a sense of whether the person would be interested yeah. or not. And I, th no, I think I have to get a little better at just asking and not being afraid of rejection. <laughs> not right. worrying about that. Or sometimes yeah. you can have a friend come. I have a dear friend, Paula, who would come and she would take the, she would take it around too. Oh. She would go around yeah. from table to table and ask people if they wanted to sign up for the newsletter, which you could, if you have a friend like that, you could have them do that too. And sure, it takes the pressure off yourself a little it's, bit. Yeah, it's fun to have friends like that. But mm -hmm. but people and people will say no sometimes, yeah. and that's okay. You have it's, to like not right yeah. to not care. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and and hey, we're musicians. We should be used to rejection. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I know. You know, I sold books door to door Did too you? in college, and I don't know why I, I should why I, I should be afraid of rejection. I mean, going door to door selling books is the biggest rejection you can ever yeah. get like pretty uh, that was in, it was a great experience but interesting yeah <laughs> oh man there's this book that um 
I can't remember the title of it specifically. I, th- I want to say it's like 100 Days of Rejection or something. No, Rejection Proof. And it's this oh. guy who, um, I can't again, I can't remember the, the name of the author, but he, he forces him to do something crazy, to ask, to do, ask someone to do something crazy every day for ten, 100 days in a row. And just to see what people, people's wow. response will be, expecting the answer will be no. Um, and just to get used to being rejected. Have you looked at it, done any of it? I haven't done any of it, <laughs> but I, I should. I've been wanting to. And sometimes he's, uh, he's gotten the answer yes. Like he went to a bagel uh, shop and asked, I don't remember which bagel shop, but he asked um, if he could have bagels made in the shape of the Olympic rings. And he, again, fully expecting <laughs> a no, but they did it for him. And then he got a wow. picture taken with the person who did it with Oh, them. my gosh. Yeah. But uh, anyways, oh, yeah, like Rejection this. Proof is the name of the, the book. Just put but yourself out there. That's funny. Yeah, because if, the more you do that, the less you will yeah. get bothered by things like that. Right, then the more you're, you're willing to put, right, exactly, put yourself out there, not worry about if you meet somebody, maybe sometimes we're afraid to go up and introduce ourselves to somebody who we might think of as bigger than us or idol. Right. And that could help you not to be so afraid to just go up and. Exactly. What's the worst they can say? No? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, exactly. So no, I love that. And I, I love your e-newsletter. I love getting that. And you do a really great job of just like, telling the story in there. And so I, th- I think the reason I asked you to talk about that in the last episode is because I think that's a really important way of communicating with people that a lot of musicians don't take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so many are, are really into the social media, mm-hmm. but the e-newsletter is such, uh, an easy way to get directly to people. Social media, it's more of a guessing game. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like people on your newsletter are hopefully more likely to want to come out and see you. Right. So that's more of your family, hopefully. Yeah. That's, and they're fun. I, I really enjoyed doing them. It's fun to yeah, change the colors and yeah. <laughs> play around with the, the templates yeah. and things and and yeah, they're making the choice to be on that e news mm-hmm. for you. Yeah, and they can obviously they can unsubscribe if they want to and yep, and and there's nothing to take personally if they do. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's getting used to that rejection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's no right. big deal. Yeah, uh, no skin off your back, but because uh, it just happens. But it's you know then it is a little exciting when people sign up, but. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It is really exciting. <laughs> but uh, a couple more questions for you here. What advice would you give to those looking to be musicians musicians right now, to be working musicians? For in my 20s, I know I had um, people that I would meet that were doing their art, and they would always say, they would always say, don't do this unless there's nothing else you could do. Yes. Have you ever heard that I from have. people before? Yeah, yeah. From people that was a comedian, I remember saying that, and I just remember thinking, well, I'm one of those people that this is all I can do. I have to do this. This is what I have to do. But it's okay to have other work, too, and it's okay to support it with with jobs, with mm-hmm. regular jobs, and, mm-hmm. and not to, don't let this, just it's not your, your whole, your whole personality, your, what's the word I'm looking for? Your, your identity doesn't have to be so tied up in being a musician, you can, you can have other interests and just be well-rounded. That's okay too. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I know when I first started, I feel like I was so I've just put so much pressure on myself. I like, think that's a good advice. Just don't put so much pressure on yourself. Just flow with it a little more. Sure. And, and 
get out and do other things you enjoy and that can be part of your art too. I, I think you said it once about like showing people with the social media, other things that you do besides just music. Was that you that yeah, was saying that? I, and I love that. Um, there, yeah, because there are always other interests that we have and, um, and it shows people, I, yeah, I think we did talk about that at a workshop, but it does show people like, it shows other interests of yours and gets people excited about you in new ways mm -hmm. um, besides just the music. Yeah. And, and there might even be a whole new niche of people that you suddenly appeal to if That's really all of true. a sudden that they find out that you're really into, I don't know, rock climbing or gardening yeah. or something. You know? <laughs> yeah. So all of a sudden you have a whole new demographic of fans. That's very, very true. And you can meet people that... Well, just like you said, you can meet people that you would never expect that might do do something for your career when you're not trying right. to do something for your career. Like everything doesn't have to be for your career, but it can still really come around to help right. you out. Right, because if you think about it, you know, there's people, well, like even Elsie doing the, the, the recording here. Sorry, sorry to bring you up here. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, his day job is doing the podcasting, but he's a musician on the side, right? Right. So and you enjoy this, Elsie? Thumbs <laughs> <laughs> up. Not to put him on the spot. But, you know, <laughs> there's people who, um, you know, do, you have a day job. You know, my husband is a software consultant. On the side, he does cycling. You know, they have lots of clear interests on the side. Mm -hmm. we, we can still be musicians as a full-time musician, but have other great interests on the side. Mm -hmm. So, um why not? Yeah, exactly. yeah. And and still, you know, have a big passion for what we're doing full time and and do that, but but have a life outside of music and yeah. 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 And and express that interest in what we're doing. I know. I, I know in LA I just feel like I wasted time. I was there for two and a half years and I didn't even see um what's the island off of Los Angeles? Where they have the jazz festival. Newport. Oh there's a, new, there's a Newport uh, see, <laughs> there's a source of we'll the assume sea. that's correct. Yeah. Anyway, then go there. <laughs> there's so many things. <laughs> Instead of just having fun, um, I was just too serious. Like, not be so serious. I guess not take things too seriously. Take yourself too seriously. And right. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I like that. That's all really, really great information. Um, I'm just curious. Has there, you know, as a female in the industry? Um, you know, and, and especially coming through it at the time that you did, were there ever issues like, you know, with, you know, at, from your gender perspective? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, being a female, I know I've, <laughs> this has sort of been a difficult thing is that I feel like females don't have, it's not, it's not equal. Um, it's harder for females to have families. Um, yes. Yeah. And there's probably a little bit of me that feels a little bitter that men don't have the same um, Pressures, issue because yeah. mm -hmm. men, it's much, it's much easier for a man to find, if they want to have a family, to find a woman who is willing to stay home and raise kids and watch the kids while the guy goes out and tours. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not the same for a woman to find a man who would be happy to stay home and right. watch the kids right. while the woman goes out and tours. So, a lot of my female musician friends don't have families, and I really think that's a big reason why. Yeah. It's just there's no equity on that side. And 
It's maybe probably changing a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good point. Very interesting. Yeah. So unless yeah. you make it really big and have millions early on and you can have a nanny. Right, exactly. <laughs> and who does that, right? <laughs> Very few people. J-Lo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. maybe a dollar J-Lo, you know, but, uh, but uh, for the average musician, it's a hard life, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's nights, weekends. It's a, yeah, you need someone to stay home. Um, Some people have family that, that helps them. I know that. Right. Some of the women artists who have kids have known other family has helped them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, yeah, but that's a very, very good point. Um, and uh, man, it's the biggest it's thing. One thing, it, it's something that uh, that men like. Do they even think about it? They have to think about. it. They never do. I don't think yeah. they think, even think about it. They, I mean, I've definitely made a point to point it out to some of my male musicians, and they they get it. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Because so many of the male musicians I know have kids. Right. And I think about just the local ones that might not be out touring internationally, but yeah. And so many female art musicians, uh, they've had to choose. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very valid point. Yeah. That's, don't, I don't know if that's a downer, but it's, no. a, it's a reality. It's the reality. It, that, <laughs> that's all there is to it. Yeah. And so it is a choice. And so there you go. So if, how do we get around that? I wonder if they're like, how? I mean, I know, I know, and it's, we don't really have a lot of. I think uh, some other countries, as you might know, like have much better support for, mm. um, I guess services. As you know, like in Scandinavia and those countries, they have such great support, which is oh, some people, mm-hmm. although they have to pay high taxes, that's true. But um, I think it's easier maybe in those countries too because. Like a woman who has a child there, they, I don't know the exact details, but some, some Scandinavian countries, they get like a year or two of maternity leave, maternity yeah. leave mm-hmm. with, with full For benefits the, yeah. and everything. Right, so that's true. Maybe it'd be easier in those countries. Right. Maybe I should have moved to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because you did, you must have made the choice then that music was the way to go for you. Yeah, I pretty much. Yeah. I don't know if it was always a conscious choice, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and that that's really interesting. Yeah, and I um, yeah, I'm I'm close with a friend in Germany. And I know they have, I think they might even have a couple years. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. yeah, something crazy, and staggering. The yeah. husband, the men too, get really good. Yeah, leave fraternity so they, leave. Yeah, yeah, they really get to raise their families and yeah, um, that makes it impossible in some cases to be a female musician. That's yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. I mm-hmm. think that's going to give a lot of people mm-hmm. something to think about here. So, yeah, thanks for being so candid about that. Um, yeah, but you could maybe find one of those amazing men who are willing to help out and stay home. This, this is true. <laughs> they are out there. They are out there. But, c- yeah, could you be a mu- uh, uh, married to a musician, though? <laughs> but, oh, that's a that's, question. Yeah. Can could, it I, could I? Is that a question? Yeah, or oh. just you are... Another female musician. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and have kids with. Yeah. Well, I've seen, actually, I on the road being on tour with Willie, I've seen people uh, bring their kids on the road. Yeah. Which works when they're young, I think. Okay. More so. Um, is it the Birds of Chicago? The Birds of Chicago? I'm saying their name right. Uh, okay. Husband and wife duo. And 
uh, we toured and they were on the bill with us and they had their little kid with them. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and that, that's yeah. gotta be a fun story to tell when you're, when you grow up later, like, mm-hmm. Hey, I got to go on tour with my parents. Yeah. And, yeah. I think they might've brought a family member along that helped out. Okay. And they that did have sense. their band with them, but might've been her sister or somebody who was, which would be fun too for the sister. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever it was uh, that they brought along sort of as a family nanny. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, a good topic that we'll have to maybe discuss more at some time. Um, so I'd like to just ask you one couple lighter questions here. Do you have a favorite venue that you've performed at and why? I have a few. The Pabst Theater. Yeah. Is, oh, my gorgeous. God. It's just yeah. so beautiful. Just the history of it. And aesthetics are so big to me. I love um, to be in historic, aesthetically beautiful places. And so that's one of the, my favorites. And also getting to play at the Milwaukee Theater and being on the Prairie Home Companion was Ooh. probably my favorite. Nice. And Garrison Keeler uh, was, he was great. He was a really interesting, interesting man. Um, I think that one was also important because my it's my parents' generation that was a really also a a really popular show, yes. a, a Prairie Home Companion. And so I can it think it made it seem like, well, hey, Mom and Dad, I finally made it. Yes. <laughs> I Aww. got to be on a nationally syndicated show that was listened by, I think, millions of listeners, five million every week. I don't know. It was a yeah. lot of listeners. Many people. So, and, so that was definitely a highlight. Um, it was a sold-out show. It was his last show in Milwaukee ever. Wow. So kind of felt, oh, just sort of getting in yeah. at the last minute. Um, and that had been something I wanted to be on really bad. And mom and dad listened to the show and got to talk about the chickens on the show. <laughs> Growing up on a chicken farm. <laughs> that is so cool. I bet yeah. they were super proud. I bet they, they loved that. I think so. My dad was much more able to say that. My mom was more reticent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good word, isn't it? Reticent. That's a very good <laughs> word. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, I know she was proud too, I think, but dad would be much more, um, when he was in the nursing home, he would tell his buddies, it's my daughter. She tours all over the country with this, this guy, Willie. He's a great guitar player. So <laughs> really sweet. Aww. <laughs> I think it all paid off. I think it was all definitely worth it for you. Teary eyed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's beautiful. It's all very full circle right now. It's, mm-hmm. So congratulations for making it all possible for yourself. And um, and then you, I asked you to pick a song to play it, uh, one of your original songs to have um, to showcase you at the end of the podcast here. And you said the song Planted Garden would be a good one for you. Yeah, it's, I just love this song. It is kind of poppy. No, it's really poppy. It's kind of dancey. And it's on the album that Willie and I wrote together, which is called Bonfire to Ash. Um, And there's such a variety of songs on that album, everything from more folky, sensitive, beautiful love songs to more uh, country rock. And this one is more pop. It's one of my favorite ones. There's cello on it. Um, Maya Maya Bloomfield from L.A., who's in Raining Jane, she played cello. And... The message of it, I love. I am so big into the environment. 
Mm-hmm. And just last night I watched the movie Midnight Sky. Have you seen that? No. Uh, there's That's a great movie, but it's interesting. It's about there's been some kind of disaster on Earth, which has just wiped out, it's made mm-hmm. the Earth uninhabitable. And so the message of the song is really about how that we could make it uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. We have to really be careful to protect the earth Mm. so we don't all become like Noah's Ark and have to get on some spaceship and Mm. Mm -hmm. go away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fascinating. So plant a garden it is. Sounds great. And then where can people find more information about you? They could, I do have a music Facebook page, Carmen Nickerson. If you search that on Facebook, Carmen Nickerson Music uh, my website, CarmenNickerson.com, of course. And I've ha- I have to get better with the Instagram. I know that's where uh, all the millennials are, huh? My first suggestion is to stop calling it the Instagram. No, it's cute. And the TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no, you do a great job. No, it was just funny. <laughs> You got to keep that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you're you're on you're, you're on Instagram, and you do a great job uh, with all of it. You really do. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, Carmen Nickerson on all of those platforms. Everything's Carmen Nickerson. Yeah. Carmen C A R M E N. The traditional spelling, not those fancy ways they sometimes are spelling Carmen now with K's and. Stuff. Yeah, it's the original. It's the original. <laughs> the opera, <laughs> the opera Carmen. Oh yes. And Nickerson yeah. N I C K E R S O N, not. K-N-I-C-K, like knickers, you know, it's not, if you know what I mean, the British K-N-I-C-K, yes, yeah, yeah. knickers. So that's, um, my, my friends will probably want to say this really briefly in Scotland, it's not music related, but when I was going to sign into my dormitory at Scotland, in Scotland, in Glasgow, the young bloke who was signing me in and looking for my name, I said, oh yeah, Carmen Nickerson, and he's, Nickerson, Nick, I'm sure I can't do a Scottish accent, accent. Nickerson, Bad. That was pretty good. Was that good? Nickerson. And he was laughing. I'm like, what's so funny about Nickerson? He's like, I prefer Nickers off. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So oh, man. it was my first year. It was my first day there. So I don't think I actually understood what he was talking about. What right a away. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Scotland. <laughs> That's funny. All right. And with that, I think uh, we'll, we'll call it a show. So thank you so much, Carmen, for being so here. Fun. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks really for stopping it. in. And uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll be in touch more soon. Today's featured patron is Shar Schweitzer from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Thanks for all of your support. Keep spinning, spinning around There's a bed
When the water covers the land again, we'll climb aboard the garbage sky. The tiller of trash was thrown away. Adventure Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.